If you're just joining us, just give us a minute and we'll get started right at two o'clock. All right, hello everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko, Editor-in-Chief of Club Solutions Magazine, and welcome to our monthly virtual thought leadership series. This session is sponsored by Club Automation and will surround the topic of bringing back and retaining top talent. We have a really awesome panel for you all today. Um, and I'm gonna start with having them each go around, introduce themselves, share a little bit about their organizations, including how many employees they have, uh, since that's the main topic for today. Frank, let's go ahead and start with you. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. Frank Lawrence, uh, CEO of uh, Little Rock Athletic Centers. We have uh, four clubs in central Arkansas, uh, large multi-purpose facilities, tennis, swimming, uh, fitness, and, and um, family are kind of our pillars that we operate around. Um, uh, you know, before COVID, we were probably running 425 uh, plus or minus uh, of employees and you know, we're probably, um, summertime's our peak time. We're probably around 3, 325 uh, right now, uh, kind of coming out of COVID. I think that will kind of hold steady even uh, as the seasons transition, uh, but, but we're down uh, some just because we're not offering all of the things that we once did uh, pre-COVID. Yeah, makes sense. Awesome. All right, Michelle. Hi, I'm Michelle Wong. I'm the Chief Operating Officer with Active Wellness. We're a fitness and wellness management services company. We operate in 14 states as well as Canada. Um, we have 54 locations currently that we manage, um, and we do everything from residential to larger community health clubs um, and medical wellness centers. And prior to COVID, we had about 1,100 employees, and we're right around 500. So not where we had hoped to be, but um, holding strong there and now starting to do some hiring and, and bringing our employees back to work. So excited yeah. about that. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, Michelle. So thank you. Ryan, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Ryan O'Toole. I'm the Director of Operations for three Anytime Fitness locations in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm the lightweight of the group. We only have, uh, you know, 10, 10 employees on our team right now. Um, so a little bit, a little bit different than some of these other guys, but Rachel, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here today and looking forward to uh, bouncing some ideas off everybody. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. All right, Ralph. Hi, my name is Ralph Reyes. I'm the COO at Forma Gym in uh, Northern California. We've got two locations, one in Walnut Creek and one in San Jose. Uh, we sit kind of at that mid mid tier level, mid upper tier for dues. We're about a, just a little over a hundred dollars and kind of medium sized clubs. Good outsort outdoor product though. Um, we have 120 staff currently, and that's down probably from about 150 because we and we do run pretty pretty light. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Ralph. Amy, go ahead. Hi, everybody. My name is Amy Boone Thompson. I'm the Vice President and General Manager of IDEA Health and Fitness Association. And we've been in business for 39 years. Uh, we serve over 275,000 fitness and nutrition professionals and business owners in 80 countries globally. Um, we support our members with online education, in-person events. We have five trusted publications business resources like insurance and career development, and then of course a community of like-minded individuals. And while I'm not currently managing any clubs, I did manage and own clubs for the majority of my career. Um, and so I'll offer a perspective that we are hearing out in the field and hearing from our members of our association. Um, we have a team of 30 people here at IDEA. Awesome, thanks Amy. All right, so yeah, let's go ahead and dive into the questions. And audience members, if you have any for the panelists during our discussion, please feel free to put those in the Q&A or the chat and we'll get to as many uh, as we can. So yeah, I wanna hear from each of you. What challenges or successes are you experiencing with bringing back staff uh, post COVID? Um, and then Amy, you can also of course uh, weigh in from your perspective, but yeah, let's actually, Amy, let's go ahead and start with you. What are you seeing among the clubs that you talk to and work with? Yeah, so first, um, I think 
it's important to point out that our fitness instructors and our managers are human too. So I think that what I'm hearing is people are hearing the same concerns they hear from their members. Is it safe? Um, you know, I'm dealing with issues of uh, mental stress or, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if I want to come back to areas where there's a lot of people yet. So while some areas of the country have come a lot further than others, I mean, here in California, I think we were last to reopen and parts of the counties are even reclosing again, or at least wearing masks and moving outside. So I think you, just to remember that your employee has all the same concerns of your members and to take all of that into consideration when you're inviting people to come back uh, for safety, for trust, for social anxiety. So that's first and foremost, um, but we are hearing that retention of employees is and, and bringing employees back is one of the biggest concerns and challenges that our club owners and managers are facing right now. Um, even, uh, you know, above getting reopened now that we are reopened, staffing is the, the number one concern. Yeah, definitely. Ralph, would you like to weigh in on this? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I agree with what Amy said. And uh, just to dive down in a little bit, further on that is that um, we are seeing the, the, the spectrum of comfort of people coming back, right? Just like with the members, there's a spectrum and, and with the staff as well. And what's interesting is probably most challenging is in, within group fitness because the expectation of, of, you know, being in front of 30 to 50 people and one person saying, you know what, I'm just not quite ready to come back yet is a challenge, uh, especially for the, the popular uh, instructors in, in popular formats. So that's probably the most impactful is that I've seen is in the, is in the group fitness world. And um, so just working through with them to ease them back in and try to make them comfortable. So they're, they're good to come back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have you had any other challenges or successes at Forma Gym specifically and bringing back staff? Um, I think really it was about groundwork while we were closed and maintaining a relationship with them while we were closed and touching base with them and making sure that, you know, that we were, we were still connected. And we saw that a lot with personal trainers. A lot of personal trainers went and did their own thing. And uh, during that time, but staying in touch with them and still being an enticing place to come back to. Um, was important. And we were able to do most, for the most part, you know, there was a few we didn't get back, but for the most part, we got, we got our, our good trainers back. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Michelle, I know you're, you're, like you said, in 14 states, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what, what is your perspective on challenges or success, sorry, successes in um, bringing back staff? Yeah. So the East Coast opened first for us and some of our early challenges are really, you know, a lot of the things that Amy spoke to and this, the comfort level of the staff or feeling like, you know, I have maybe an underlying health concern. Am I at greater risk? And so that's where the, the strong partnership we have with our HR team and operations comes into play and really supporting employees and taking them through the process of understanding, you know, what their options are. Um, here in California, you know, we went so long with our facilities closed and then, you know, for so long, maybe only being able to offer very limited outdoor that um, to Ralph's point, we, we tried to keep in touch with our employees, you know, let them know what our intentions were, but a lot of them just had to move on, you know, there was a certain point. And so a lot of that was frontline, you know, service desk, housekeeping, childcare, you know, those roles was, we didn't have a virtual offering for them or an option to teach classes virtually or train virtually. Um, and so we're, we're having to start, you know, one of our biggest challenges is really start from the ground up in a lot of those departments uh, where we were just close so long. Um, and that's really more so here, you know, on the West Coast that that's been the issue, you know, and then in terms of successes, um, you know, not everybody stays. Some people left by choice or decided, you know, <laughs> this is a scary industry to be in. In right now let me are there other options but that's allowed opportunities for growth for other individuals or you know hybrid roles that have you know allowed somebody to take on something you know outside of what was their normal you know scope prior to COVID and and that's you know something that for us helps us retain you know some of that top talent so I think there's some success stories and some opportunities that have come for staff out of that but Definitely one of the biggest challenges is that those frontline positions that were furloughed for so long. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I know that in the uh, food industry, that's been a huge challenge too, with a lot of people taking the time from the pandemic to, you know, get out of that career and pursue other opportunities. So, yeah. but yeah, I love the half glass pool, pool uh, perspective on that as well. So thanks, Michelle. Yes. Um, but Ryan, as a boutique operator, would really love to hear your perspective on the successes and challenges of bringing back staff. So on the, on the challenge side for us, especially in our group fitness, our group personal training programs, a lot of our trainers are younger, um, kind of newly out of college or whatever it might be. So initially we were able to bring a lot of people back, but I think that time off, you know, I think some of them are kind of evaluating where they ultimately want to be in the long run and, and kind of explore some different opportunities that were maybe more related to what they went to school for or whatever it might be. Um, so we did end up losing some of them to, you know, other fields, you know, not within fitness or anything. They just went in different directions. Um, for the successes side, though, I think, you know, a lot of our employees that have been around for a longer amount of time that were maybe, you know, a little burned out or something. I think being away for a little bit kind of reset, you know, their mindset and, and kind of made them start to, uh, you know, start to miss some things that were maybe uh, getting a little, getting a little old to them. So it kind of reset some of them. And then with those that stayed, like Michelle was saying, you know, some opportunities did come about, you know, for the ones that were staying where we could shift them into new roles or explore new roles. But yeah, the challenges side was just really some, some of the younger ones kind of moving on to different industries. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought up burnout as well, because that is a problem in the fitness industry among uh, fitness professionals, in particular trainers, group X instructors. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit more later on in the discussion. But Frank, go ahead and uh, share your perspective on bringing back staff post COVID. Yeah. So Rachel, I think we're probably a little unique um, uh, than most of the folks on this call and definitely a lot of folks in the country as well in the South. Uh, we were only closed uh, six weeks. Uh, so yeah. we had a short period that we were closed and we made some strategic decisions. Uh, we never stopped our billing. So we still had our cash flow coming in. Uh, we did give credits to our members kind of spread out over 2020. Um, and so that, that allowed us to do several things. And that was really primarily keep our core staff in place, the ones that we wanted to keep. And uh, so, so that was good. Obviously as Michelle and Amy and, and, the others have expressed the concerns of health and safety. The staff was there, but uh, we were able to address that as well as safety for members uh, throughout. So, so we did a great job, I think, of retaining our core staff and the people that we wanted through the, through the process. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, thanks for sharing all of that. And now I'd like to shift gears and talk a little bit about, you know, how things have changed from an employer's perspective. So I'm really curious to hear from, each of you, you know, have you, are you doing things differently as an employer in regards to benefits, your hiring processes, um, flexibility regarding, regarding um, hours or positions? Ralph, let's start with you. Yeah, we're doing things a little bit different. We, we just haven't, you know, besides the, the frontline staff that, that Michelle spoke about, we haven't brought back a lot of people. We were able, we held on to the management team. And so really it is about the recruiting at the at the line level. And the big issue for us is uh, compression of wages because of minimum wage. So, you know, we've got minimum wage in California continues and like everywhere, I guess, continues to move up. And then you've got somebody who's been, uh, you know, with you for a year or two years and now minimum wage is catching them up to everybody else. So then, so then really to be fair, we've got to bring everybody else up. And that's, that's what we're going through now as we're bringing people back is like, what rate do you need to hire people at in order to get them? But what's fair to the team that stood by you for the last two years or three years. So that's, that's the biggest challenge. And I think that what we're having to do is kind of open up, reopen up our minds in the way we do business in order to say, you know what, this is something that it's a reality, right? We, we, we can't just tell these managers, just hire them at the old rate. We've, we've got to adjust. We've got to probably pull from some other places. And really, it's going to put some pressure on dues um, next year. Because really, what we'll have to do is push, push dues uh, up next year in order to compensate for some of these new costs that we're seeing in labor and other places as well. Yeah. That's a great point, a very important topic. Does anyone else want to weigh in on that and share their thoughts on that particular point? I just would say ditto. I mean, that is, uh, again, <laughs> even 
a, a state like Arkansas, our minimum wages are going up. They're nothing like the, the West Coast and, and probably even the East Coast, but there's this invisible floor. The national employers are hiring at, at much higher wages than we are. And so that puts pressure on all of us. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's very challenging. So Ralph described that uh, perfectly. And, and, you know, really, I think at the end of the day, you're going to end up having uh, fewer staff doing more stuff, be, but you're paying them a higher wage to, to do that. And that's, yeah. that's hard to operate. And then you've got to, you got to move your revenue number up as well. So, yeah. Ryan, were you going to say something? Yeah, I absolutely agree with, with both of them, especially being a little bit smaller. We don't have a lot of staff to begin with. So, you know, trying to balance, you know, rewarding those people that have been there for a while, but, you know, not even just minimum wage, but there's just a shortage of, of workers in general. So all these businesses are offering higher wages than ever before, sign-on bonuses or all these things. So, you know, trying to get new people in, be fair to the existing, but then also, you know, from being closed last year, revenue took a pretty significant hit. So, you know, trying to pay more after bringing in less, it's just, it's a, it's a tough balance for sure. So right along with, with Frank and Ralph on that. Uh, yeah. Rachel, I was just going to add, I think uh, from a service and programming perspective, the biggest shift is that the majority of club owners needed to adapt to some type of streaming model or on-demand model or through an app or, you know, there was outdoor fitness as well, but a lot of people had to really adjust their business model to include a streaming or virtual option. So the question is, where do we go from here? Are you going to keep a streaming option? Are you going to keep an, an app option or not? And then that really changes your proposition to instructors. Um, you know, instructors were forced to make that choice as well. Do I leave the industry? Do I build an online business? And so there's, we're really at a juxtaposition here of, do we honor this new path? And if we are going to stream fitness from our club or on demand? Do we use our pros? How do we compensate for that? Do we encourage that? Or do we do a licensed model where we're, you know, it's on demand and it's not necessarily my pros, but I have in-person fitness. So I, I really think there's a lot of choices operators will make around programming that is driven by what, what was just catapulted. Um, on demand was happening, live stream was happening, people had fitness in their homes, but everything was catapulted and now instructors and operators have a lot more options. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point too, Amy, because, um, you know, a lot of clubs didn't even have positions for their virtual fitness offerings. And now you're seeing clubs actually hiring people specifically for that area. Um, have any of you on the panel um, at your clubs dedicated a specific role of department or individual for just your virtual fitness offerings? Ralph, we do you have that or is it? We did at the beginning um, and we'd had to respond like everybody else. And we did a very okay job based on our budget. Um, but since, you know, we watched over the course of time, we watched just what the numbers and the utilization was of online and streaming that we were putting out. And as the usage came back into the club, the online decreased like just proportionately and really felt like we weren't doing that great of a job to try to keep it going. So we're going to slip into a third party virtual that we can use as a part of our uh, freeze campaign, like the people, if they're on freeze, they've at least have a value and the members can use it too, obviously, but we're going to, we're going to slip out of that. We didn't do it well. We're not built to do it well. We're not going to invest in it to really do it well. Um, so yeah, we're just going to ease our kind of back our way out slowly on that one. <laughs> yeah. No, that yeah. makes sense. I, I think I can add to that. Um, so Ralph, we're, I, I look at our numbers every month and I'm seeing exactly the same thing you're seeing as we've opened, especially here in California. The drop in virtual is compensated by the increase in in-person. So we track everything virtual from just video views of our on-demand library to what PT is being completed virtually, Pilates sessions and in-person. And so it's, it's probably a shift of 10 to 20% every month consistently, right? From away from virtual and more in-person. Um, what we made a decision was like you, we felt like to do a virtual offering and try to monetize that, we'd really have to invest around a whole team of that. And so we wanted to maintain the connection with our membership base by bringing them the instructors they know, a good portion of them in our facilities. But because we have this, you know, want to say it's a network, even though it's 54 separate and unique locations, we built a library that comes from across these sites that 
every site can have access to this on-demand programming that includes everything from, you know, a, a PE class for kids at one point, knowing all the families were home to, you know, things for our folks in our Parkinson's program. So we're trying to cover this really broad spectrum in this library, but try to do it with faces that our members know, because we looked at it as a strategy for either retaining our clients who were paying us to deliver service to their corporate tenant amenity or maintaining connection with our members. You know, we talk about connection with our staff over the time we're furloughed, you know, with being closed here in California for, you know, can't remember off the top of my head, 10, 12, you know, really long time. Like how do we make sure those members are coming back to us when we restart dues and, and we can bring them back into the facilities. And so we've looked at it as a way to sustain that core business that we had. And now as an ongoing complement to the services we offer to clients, the membership we offer to our, um, you know, our health club members. So it's, it's been a, a balancing act. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Frank or Ryan, anything you'd add on that particular point before we move on? Okay, yeah. awesome. Well, I wanna get your thoughts um, from each of you on um, tips for just acquiring top talent across the board, whether it's a group X instructor all the way to leadership, but we can kind of break those areas down a little bit. Um, but let's just start with what is key to being an attractive um, employer overall to all types of employees? Frank, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think it's the it's the, the the word that all sports teams use, and we in corporate world use of culture, right? I mean, you got to have a great culture, you got to have a great environment, you you have to have a place that people are attracted to in general. So, so that's one. And then, you know, how do you do it? Uh, to me, it's just uh, it's just about being active uh, in your community, about being active with your staff, and and and. Uh, asking your staff to kind of help attract like-minded and, and uh, quality people to be part of the organization. But, you know, I'm famous for, for giving my business cards out to waiters and waitresses and people all, all around town. I think they provide great service and we've hired a lot of great talent uh, that way. And it's uh, that, so I think it's just about being active in your community, being active with your staff and, and creating an environment and a place where people want to be. Yeah, definitely. Ryan, what are your thoughts on what it takes to be an attractive employer? Yeah, absolutely. For us, I, I agree with Frank, you know, especially being a little bit smaller of an operation, there's not a ton of upward mobility or positions available. So that culture is huge. And, and with the culture piece, a lot of our, our best hires have been members, you know, members that have experienced what we do on a daily basis for a long period of time. They felt the energy in there. They felt the relationships that we build with our members because uh, we built it with them, you know, so we've had a lot of members reach out at different times that we were hiring and, you know, they obviously believe in what we do because they've, you know, paid to do it for years. So um, that's been some of our, of our best hires for sure has come through, um, come through the members. And then also, you know, like Frank said, looking just for good, good people with good energy, good personalities, and then maybe teaching them the skill set that they need, as opposed to, you know, looking for the skill set and then trying to teach them to have energy and personality, you know, just looking for those, those good team players first. It's been important for us. Yeah. Awesome. Amy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with both of those perspectives. And then also, especially right now, as we're really trying to be more inclusive in this community and making sure that we have a welcoming space for all humans, I would just encourage operators to see, you know, who's represented in your community that's not represented in your employees and go look for those individuals to bring in because that will in fact attract more members to your facility if you are broadly representing your community. So remember to always approach employment with an inclusive perspective, not just who is homegrown, but who's not here that's represented in our community. And then with the packages, um, you know, it's interesting. Some people come to clubs for a full-time salaried role and we heard how that might be more of the trend, wear more hats and, and get a, a salary. But there's other people who want to enjoy fitness part-time and enjoy being a, um, either 1099 or a part-time employee. So is your package appealing to them? Um, does it offer continuing education? Do you have a career development aspect? Uh, if you're hiring someone who's aspiring to be a manager, do you have some program in place where you'll work with them, mentor them to, to help groom them and get them into another type of position in the 
organization is there upward mobility for them? So I think those are all key things to look at with your package and with um, when you're looking. Yeah, certainly. Thanks, Amy. Ralph, what are your thoughts on being an attractive employer? So try to come up with a couple different things than, than the panel has so far. So one thing that's important for me, especially for looking for department heads and manager level is to network beforehand, is to really know who's out there. Like if I'm looking for a wellness director, I want to know who the wellness directors are that are in my trade zone and just get to know each other beforehand and, and then try to understand if the type, who they are, line up with what I need, right? Because there's different people. There's people who are, you know, maybe stronger in strategy and program development and other people who are stronger in execution. And can I get that lined up to what I particularly need so that they'll be happier? So, so that's, that's one thing for sure. And I think the other thing is, is understanding sort of, can I, can I avoid having to attract talent? Can I, how good could I get at growing my own talent? And I think that's a really important thing because I can only, I can only go recruit. There's only so many people that are going to have, uh, would look at me as a greener pasture, right? Because a lot of people are in good situations, but in order for me to really be able to have talent, I've got to also have a good strategy of growing my own and, and having those systems in place. So that's, that's kind of where we've tried to also focus and we'll continue to focus, especially with the labor shortage going forward of, is creating those career paths for people within the club starting at the, at the staff level. Yeah, great advice. Michelle, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna kind of uh, piggyback on what Amy was talking about. We've done a lot of internal training this year with our leadership team on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. And we've had to take a really hard look at, you know, things like what are the requirements in our job descriptions? Are we making it too stringent? Are we cutting ourselves off from, you know, somebody that could be developed, you know, to Ryan's point. And so we're looking at everything from the way we display or how does our culture come across on our website, um, in our recruiting ads, and, and even in the job requirements, um, does a trainer need to have a four-year degree or is, you know, certification or hire them with the 90 days to complete certification something that, you know, we want to look at um, so that we get a more diverse pool of individuals um, to represent a broader base of our community. So that's one of the things that we've really taken on this year and then working strategically with ops and HR in terms of, you know, where are we posting positions? How are we sharing that information? Um, you know, so we can get candidates that maybe wouldn't have thought of us before. Um, and then looking at, you know, I feel like we have an amazing culture and at, at the leadership level and, and the supervisor level, I think that that comes across, but it's, it's easy to lose that, what, you know, once you get further down the line and operating in 14 states. So getting our, our team out there to make sure that they're sharing their stories of their experience in the organization. You know, it's one thing for, you know, the executives to say it's a great place to work, but another thing for frontline employees to say it's a great place to work. I feel valued. I feel supported. I feel like I have the tools I need. Yeah, for sure. Your employees are your uh, best billboards in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, attract, attracting and retaining top group X and fitness talents. I know that's a really important area for a lot of gyms. Amy, what are your thoughts on um, attracting and keeping those fitness professionals specifically? Yeah, so I have three points here. The first I already touched on, which is make sure that you have a coaching and professional development program in place. And, and a strong group fitness manager can help you with that or a strong program manager, personal training manager. So make sure that you have that coaching available. So again, people feel invested in and they feel that they are truly growing towards something. And that leads me to my second point, which is purpose. And especially with Group X individuals and, and personal trainers who they aren't paid the highest wages, sadly, but they give so much of themselves and they're, they're teaching their passion. Um, oftentimes, one or two times a week, they come to your club and give, 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 and just exude. They are the energy and nucleus of your club. So honor their passion and, and share your vision often. Like what is the vision of your organization? And hopefully they're aligning with that vision and they feel that they're growing with the organization and towards something that has meaning and purpose to them. Um, that's especially important to millennials and Gen Zs. And then lastly, just um, you know, to take this on a different direction, thinking about intrinsically motivated versus extrinsically 
And then you really look at, you know, does this person have that autonomy and mastery and purpose at work? And are we giving them choice with the career path they want? And are we giving them the career development to find mastery at work? Um, and then back to the purpose and vision, do we have all of those built into our program so that people are feeling that they truly belong and they have a path for upward growth? Yeah, that's all great stuff. Thank you. Um, Ryan, what are your thoughts on um, attracting and retaining group X and fitness staff? Yeah, in terms of attracting, um, you know, like, like Michelle said, just the way we advertise for positions has definitely changed over the last couple of years. Um, we've moved away from, you know, an ad for a personal trainer position and made it a little bit more of an ambiguous thing um, to get people in the door. And then some of our best trainers have just been people that, you know, they care about the members, they have good energy, they have a, they have a background in, in fitness, but for whatever reason, maybe they couldn't afford the upfront cost of getting certified or something. So we've kind of put together a program to, to help people get certified within the first, you know, month or two of being employed as we're teaching them kind of our systems. And we've been able to find a lot of, a lot of really good trainers that way that, you know, maybe didn't think about training at the beginning. And then um, for retaining them, you know, like, like Amy said, especially on the trainer side, I just found not, not a lot of them are motivated by money. Um, so just sometimes giving them more responsibilities or, or more, um, more roles, more opportunities uh, has meant a lot more to them. And that's really helped us out with, with retaining some really good ones too. Yeah, awesome. Frank, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and it may be because I'm a guy and, and um, uh, et cetera, but probably the best piece of advice I ever received about marriage uh, was always date your wife. And um, that's something I've been married now 28 plus years. And so, uh, and that really held true. I mean, always dating my wife, uh, just like I did before we got married, uh, working hard uh, to develop that relationship was really key. And I think that that principle is really the exact same with staff, right? I mean, we work hard to recruit staff. We work hard to get them in the door. And once we get them here, we need to keep recruiting. We need to always be recruiting that staff and making sure they're uh, on board. And so, you know, uh, again, that simple advice to me, always date my wife really has held true both personally and in, in professional life. So, yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Ralph, what are your thoughts? Rachel, we're, we're just talking group fitness and PT now yep. for this section. Okay. So I would say, you know, just all the stuff that everyone says is great and absolutely true. I mean, the one thing I would say is, is also to uh, basic business information, like how the business is operating, try to bring them into, they understand the bigger picture because they are in and out so quickly and doing other things. So I think along Frank's line of, of you know, what his example is also to like, showing care through explanation and taking the time to let them know here, here's like even group fitness, here's the KPIs we're looking at. And if we're going to cut your class, here's the big picture that we're, we're looking at. So you understand that when we say we're going to cut your class because of lack of participation, you understand everything that sort of worked up to that. So I think that's, that's just kind of generally showing respect, but it's also giving them some additional knowledge that gives them context that I think that they, that they appreciate. Um, so I'll stop there because I wanted, when we talk about the department heads, I've got a little more on that section. Okay. Yeah, we'll loop around to that after. Michelle, you want to weigh in a little bit on the group X and training? Yeah, I, and I've, I've got a little, a little something more that we've done with our training staff. Um, to Amy's point, you know, we offer continuing education resources and and partnered with Idea, and we do that. But sometimes when we see where a facility is going or where we want to take a program, I will, you know, with the help of our general managers, reach out to our staff. And we did this during COVID had a couple of our um, key staff and trainers go get certified at, through ACE as health coaches. We have a, a couple of clubs here where we've got teams working on um, getting training to be able to deliver cognitive fitness training to senior populations. And so based on their interest in, and aligning with where the business is going, we'll support a, as a business need additional continuing education and time and, and resources for them to get certified that align with you know different 
groups we're trying to serve, different programs we're trying to bring on board. And so they feel part of, you know, the strategy of where we're growing. They feel we're investing in them. It gives them an opportunity to expand their knowledge. And so real and just getting down really specific to, hey, we want to be able to offer this type of programming you know, who can we, who can we lean on to say, you know, we'll, we'll pay and we'll support this additional training and certification so that we can move the business forward and be able to do that. Um, and so that's something that we do on a regular, but it did a little more of that out of COVID knowing, you know, there was going to be a demand for certain types of shifts in our programming. Yeah. Awesome. Well, does anyone want to add anything on this area before we move on? Bro? Yeah, I got, I got one more thing I, I forgot to mention. And I, maybe somebody out there will be able to figure this out because I've, I've tried over, over many times and have not been able to quite get to it. But what I've, what I've really wanted to try to do is create a, an opportunity for exclusivity with instructors. And, you know, you have to have enough facilities and stuff like that. But, you know, is to create an upside incentive to be able to be exclusive with you. So we can lock them in with all those things. So thinking about things like, you know, education. So like if you are exclusive, you get X amount of education, maybe different from the normal person. Maybe there is a, a shoe stipend or, you know, what are your preferred vendor? You're able to do some things with those staff. So create some upside incentive for the staff to be exclusive with you. So they're only teaching there. And then you get all the other benefits of having them in the facility more and knowing your members and all the other good stuff that goes along with that. So I've dabbled in it, haven't been able to pull it off. So if anybody else can pull that off, I'd, I'd love to hear about it. Or have yeah, we, yeah. Go ahead, Michelle. I, I would say for the group fitness world, uh, I found that to be really challenging to do that, right? Because that's, you know, uh, you only have so many times that work for an individual or on the schedule um, from a personal training standpoint, it's, it's really baked into their cop plan. So, you know, they earn higher rates with us based on, you know, delivering more sessions per week. So there's an incentive for them to, you know, not be training at a couple different clubs to get to full time with us based on, you know, their, their overall comp plan is just going to be higher based on doing that. Yeah, so Ralph, maybe maybe it's uh, take a page out of the NCAA uh, NIL name, image, and likeness uh, uh, format, right? So maybe maybe these guys are are total big brand ambassadors that we pay extra to do different things. I don't know, but anyway, that just popped in my head as a possible solution for. You. Okay. Well, Frank, I'm glad you said that because I was going to contribute. Um, so I've always worked from an exclusivity model. All the programs, PT programs, similar to Michelle. The more you work, the more you make. We want you full time. We don't want you working anywhere else. Group X, hard to do that because they can't get times on the schedule unless you have multiple clubs in a close proximity. So that's one way of continuing your business model and thinking about you know, building in certification, building in continuing ed, even covering CPR when they meet certain milestones. But another way to start thinking about your business is you know, all these rock stars who went out and started their own platforms or who are licensing their classes on various platforms, can you acquire them or license from them their programs to a degree so that you're offering them flexibility to be out with their online business, but they have skin in the game for what's happening in your club and they are growing membership at your club. So I don't have this model built out yet, but ideas going into a whole career development revamp, and this is how we wanna think about the business is, you know what, there's no turning back that a lot of people are running online businesses. So do we poo-poo them and exclude them, or do we, and grow the next talent, or do we find a way to bring, can you keep them connected to the club and embrace it in a real way? And your example, Frank, might just be the way that we can uh, think about it and start the conversation. Just uh, influencers. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, uh, let's move on to um, another really important, obviously, role within a club, which is leadership. Um, yeah, what are tips for attracting and retaining department heads, leaders, and leaders within your organization, and keeping them for as long as possible? I think especially in leadership, it's really important to have employees that retain or retained for the long term. So Ralph, I know you had a couple points. Do you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I think that in, I think COVID has really pushed us into this direction even further and further. But I think that a couple of things for me is one is, is broadbanding 
leadership and giving them other interesting things to do and, and understanding where their interests are. And, and it may be outside of where they're specifically their job description currently, that they may have other interests in the club that we can give them other interesting projects um, and activities to do. So I think that that's, that's a big one. I think for a lot of people, autonomy is really important, right? So if you've hired any, I think Amy, you mentioned this a couple of times when you were talking early. So I'm just echoing what you said, but I mean, in action, when you are somebody who enjoys autonomy in a job and you're able to actually do that. And as leaders for us, if we get, create the framework and then they can go out and roam and play, then that's, that's a, that's a big win-win. And I think that, you know, matching those, those things up, I don't think people would leave you if they feel like they are having, they're having fun, they're growing, they're learning, and they're, they're working in the area that they like to do that they're where they find their, their personal strength. And I think the other, the last thing I just wanted to, to say is, is I think, I mean, I, I like to work with people. I match up well with people who want to be coached hard right? They want to be, they want to, they want to do well, they want to do better. So they're open to being coached and they're open to feedback and they're open to hearing about it, right? They don't take it personal. And, and I think that that's an important, that's an important thing for holding on to people. Because if you're, if you're working, if you're working with somebody who doesn't like that or is defensive, or it's not going to be, a, it's not going to be a good match, right? It's not going to be a good lineup, but I think so setting, you know, we talked earlier about culture, but setting that culture of what it's like to be here, what it's like to work together, what the team expectations are, um, is really important because when someone gets into that environment, there needs to be sort of that general sort of cultural fit, like we talked about earlier, for them to want to stay, right, or to thrive. So I think that, you know, having, having the things that match up with people that they enjoy doing and fits their work style is really the most important part of, of retaining, retaining good people. Yeah, awesome. Michelle, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, for us, we've been able to retain, you know, our senior level staff and our managers for a very long time. A few left the industry this year, but I think it, it's, you know, looking at management oversight, not as so linear and just like, you know, not working directly with your direct supervisor all the time, but working collaboratively, having somebody that, you know, is a sounding board for somebody on the same level of the organization or at a different site um, and just creating greater connection, you know, opportunities. Um, and we've had a lot of great stories of, you know, folks that have been on the operations side and jumped into the design world or, you know, our uh, VP of HR came from operations and she's, you know, a master of HR and it's, it's amazing. So just exposing them to different areas and that it's not always a linear path um, and making sure that there's mentors and coaches that are outside of your chain of command so that you can get different perspectives and keeping them connected to as many touch points in the organization as possible. I think that's one of the keys to retention. Yeah. Hey, you've been with Active for a long time, right, Michelle? Uh, our lifespan is seven years, but prior to that, prioritization, Amy's shaking her head because she was with Club One, our, our prioritization. So uh, going on 22 years now. Wow. Yeah. What What's kept you with them? I think that's a really unique perspective that maybe can shed some light on what it takes to keep an employee for so long. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it's, it's been the growth opportunities, you know, so I started in the industry in corporate fitness and was doing everything from teaching and training to working with organizations on their wellness strategy and then, you know, got exposed to the commercial world and medical fitness. And so it's been those opportunities to grow. And it's been, you know, being in organizations where it's, it's not a top-down approach, you know, everybody's viewpoint matters and is important. And, and the opportunity to work, you know, across departments and in, in different types of settings. So I think that's really, really key. Um, and, you know, just an amazing team going through this pandemic and being in 14 states and having to keep up on different, you know, what the governor in Ohio is doing and what's happening in California. There is no team I would rather go through a crisis with than this team and knowing that, you know, we're going to get through it because everybody has each other's back. And, and that's, that's important too, you know, and I think there's something to be said about, you know, 
their second family. I spend more time with these people in most cases, you know, than you see your family. You spend eight or 10 hours, 12 hours a day with them. You just got to enjoy their company. Even if it's on video, you really got to enjoy their company. So for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Amy, anything that you'd like to add? I was just smiling and nodding while both of them were talking all fantastic points. And, you know, we're about to celebrate the anniversary of a 20 year employee here at idea and a 30 year employee next month. So I think the secret to longevity is um, giving variety and growth. So both of those are important people. When people are complacent, that's when they get stir crazy and start looking. So make sure you're challenging employees and that you get to know them well enough so you know how hard you can pull and push and give them offer new challenges. But with that, I would say, I would go back to being human, like be able to flex with people as they're growing with you because people want to have families and people want to, they're gonna have children and they're gonna have highs and lows. And just like we learned through the pandemic, if their employer is with them side by side and and arm in arm through all those life's challenges, they're going to be endeared to you for a very long time. So flex with your employees they'll give more if you're able to, to take life's highs and lows with them. Yeah. Great point. Just, you know, right. Uh, connecting with people as other humans goes a long way for sure. Brian, what are your thoughts on this topic? Um, especially as it relates to retaining leadership positions. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely refer, uh, defer to these guys that are running some big organizations, but I can, I can echo firsthand what Amy just said. Uh, you know, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, um, so having the flexibility and the, um, you know, the ability to, to work around that as needed is, is definitely the reason I'm still here. You know, I, I probably wouldn't have been able to stay if it was very rigid. So I think just giving people the room to make their own decisions and put their own touch on things and, and really allows them to take ownership of situations instead of, you know, feeling like they're just executing and, and step-by-step instructions or something, you know, definitely I think they put a little bit more, um, focus on it and really take ownership of it. Um, you know, when they don't feel like somebody's staring over their shoulder, every, every decision they make. So, you know, I agree with all, all these, uh, all these guys. Yeah. Awesome. Frank. Yeah. So Rachel, I'll, I'll continue down that path of dating my wife still. Right. And, um, you know, I think you heard it from each of the other panelists. I don't know if they use these exact words, but the two words that really just kept coming to mind in, in this, uh, were development, right. And when you're in a relationship and, and, uh, you're, you're, you're working to continue to develop, uh, that staff and given those opportunities, again, I think each panelist described that. And then I think one other real key word or, or mindset in that dating your spouse and, and constantly recruiting your staff and working to develop a staff is really having a servant uh, attitude and serving your staff. And, you know, all of us here are in leadership. Most of the group we're talking to is in a leadership position. But the reality is, is if you come at that from a servant heart and a servant attitude, uh, I think that's probably one of the uh, unsung keys to success in, in long-term and tenured uh, staff. So. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, um, we only have about 13 minutes left. So I want to talk a little bit about something that was brought up earlier in the conversation, which is employee burnout. Um, I'm really curious, is that something that you guys are seeing within the fitness industry, maybe within your organizations where you're noticing that employees are getting a little bit burned out? And if so, how is that addressed? What do we do to fix that? Ralph, let's start with you. Yeah, I think, you know, because the last year and a half has been so weird, um, you know, I think burnout, I think comes from, I'm no expert in this, but I think it comes from routine and mundane, right? Well, the last year and a half has been anything but. So, you know, I think that we've almost like put people on edge to the point where it's like, man, I need a little routine uh, just because things have changed so much. But I think that, you know, as far as burnout, I think it's a lot of the things we talked about in the last, in the last section, right? It's, it's all those things. If we're really caring for people and we're reading them, you know, I, I love the way you said, Amy, about flexing with your employees. That is a beautiful way of putting it. I think that if, if we're really doing that, then we're seeing those signs and then we can intervene. And I think yeah. that that's, that's kind of what it comes down to is like, you know what, top performer has, seems like they've been a little bit off. Let me, let me dive in and see 
Is it us? Is it them? They got something going on. And then how can I support him or her with whatever they got going on? Yeah. Yeah. Really taking it on a case by case basis with each employee. Yeah. Amy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. And, and as I was saying before, like watch for complacency. If you're, if something's out of character, if somebody is, um, you know, not performing to their usual, that's the first indicator. And if you were as a manager are in tune with your metrics and also the soft skills and in tune with your clients, then hopefully you'll get that feedback. Uh, but then, you know, there's, we give so much in these jobs. And I think the hardest job I've ever had in the industry was a general manager. Like they are constantly, they have so many stakeholders. You have the members, you have your employees, and then you have the owners, right? So yeah. there's just so many roles in this, in our industry that are lonely and that you, you need to have a support system. So think about the jobs that are the loneliest. I'll use GM in my example, because it was the loneliest job I've had. Who, who's there to support your GM? Who's their network? Who can they talk to when they can't talk to their employees about something or their members about something? And they're too scared to call the owners or stakeholder, like who's their <laughs> network? Um, and I'll go back to network, which Ralph talked about earlier. Uh, I know he and I are super passionate about networking. They need to have their own mentors and their own people that they can call. So specifically for your leadership, extend the network to them of people that you trust that have like businesses where they have people to reach out to if you're a single site or if you're multi-unit, make those connections often so people have a sounding board. Yeah, great point, Amy. Ryan, what are your thoughts on burnout and if you're seeing it post-COVID or pre-COVID and how to address it? Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of balance with like what we were talking about earlier with, um, you know, cross-training people or giving people new roles or having people take on multiple roles, like giving them that responsibility without it kind of tipping over and being too much, um, I think is really important. For us being a little bit smaller, it's also helpful that um, really get to know all the staff so that you're able to identify when they are um, being off a little bit. And, and I think especially through um, COVID, understanding just like with fitness, stress is stress. So being aware of, you know, not only their stress while they're here, but, you know, maybe they had a family member that was dealing with COVID or, you know, outside stressors too that could be affecting them and, and just trying to identify it and address it and, and you know, offer them, you know, the support or maybe they need a little extra time off or something to kind of reset and just just being a little bit more flexible with that, like everybody else has kind of mentioned so far. Yeah, great points. Well, um, surrounding the topic of burnout, let's just look at it a little bit differently in terms of personal burnout. I know the fitness industry, I mean, I've heard from everybody that this was the hardest year they've ever had to work through. They've worked harder than ever before, more hours. Um, how are you keeping yourselves healthy and sane throughout this? Um, Frank, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, you know, I think Rachel, I think it's just important to take care of yourself, right? I mean, I'm, I love endurance sports. I do a lot of endurance uh, work. And so I'm constantly staying active. Um, you know, I've got a group of, of folks that I do life with on a regular basis. And so we just continued to do that and worked hard to, to build all of that. And so those things give me energy. And so I just continued to work hard to find those things that, that refueled my tanks and uh, gave me energy and, um, and so I think that's, that's how you kind of manage that burnout uh, stress component. Yeah. Michelle, any strategies for managing your own personal uh, burnout as a leader? Uh, yeah. You know, um, for me this last year, it was, you know, finding things that I just didn't have the time or, or take advantage of, you know, uh, starting to take up bike riding again, outdoors, uh, you know, hiking. And we did uh, recharge days for a while where we were trying to encourage, encourage all of our staff to take at least one day off and use up some of that PTO and help when all of our sites were closed. And just looking at it as, you know, an, an advantage and an opportunity um, to do that. And, you know, one of the things that I think about every day is, you know, one of the things you can count on is things will change, right? For better or worse, something will change. You'll not, you won't stay in the same state. So it's just a matter of, you know, kind of getting through it. And, you know, I would tell my kids sometimes, I don't enjoy anything I was doing the past year, sending notifications, site closures, furloughing employees, dealing with intake forms for COVID exposure. Nobody enjoyed any of that. So carving out time to find ways to be creative and focus on the positive and the future opportunities and 
you know, how was our business going to be changed in a positive way out of COVID and not forgetting to do that um, were some of the things that, you know, helped me stay sane <laughs> in this yeah. last uh, year and a half. Well, if you need any biking tips, uh, Ralph can definitely help you. <laughs> Frank, Frank too. Oh, Frank too, yeah. Our, our leadership team is preferred. I stay off the bike. As he told me about so many biking accidents, they, they've encouraged me to stay on my stationary bike, but it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Ralph says no. I mean, Frank yeah. says no too. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we got uh, just a few more minutes left, so I want to give each of you an opportunity to share a final piece of advice on uh, attracting and retaining top talent. So, um, Amy, let's start with you. What's your final piece of advice? Final piece of advice is that your employees, as well as your members, have more choices than ever. So I would just encourage you to, one, identify how you're going to move forward with the new environment, right? And then once you get there, really embrace this no walls mentality. And that means that you were able to connect and engage with your employees and members while your facility was completely closed. And while you still have bills to pay and you want to fill the room and create the energy inside, how can you continue that community outside of your facility, whether it is a virtual offering or if, if it is just outreach that you're doing or, um, you know, now we can, we literally can teach anywhere in the world. So what does that mean to your facility? You're not restricted to your zip codes anymore. So what does that mean for you and for your program? And, and how do you embrace that moving forward rather than resist it? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Amy. Ralph, what's your final piece of advice? Uh, final piece of advice is, is challenge your people, make it fun, and create opportunity. I'd say those would be the, in a nutshell, that would be the thing. Just try to look for all the opportunities to make it fun. And just a really quick on the, on the burnout one, I think that, you know, that's, that's part of the burnout equation as well is, is just how do you make it fun and how do you make the mundane, you know, a good time. And I think that starts with us. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thanks, Ralph. Ryan, what's your final piece of advice? Yeah, I think, I think just kind of being creative, you know, getting out of the, the rut of like how things have always been done um, when it comes to hiring and, and retaining people with, with so many places able to offer a lot of really attractive packages to people, you know, being creative and how you acquire, but then, you know, that culture piece we talked about earlier, being creative with giving people new opportunities and, and keeping them engaged beyond just, you know, a paycheck, um, I think is going to be really important going forward. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Michelle, and then also, Michelle, if you could weigh in on um, the hiring virtually too, I forgot to ask you about that. And I wanted you to share that perspective, if you could do that first and then share your final piece of advice. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, our whole process is a, is a digital virtual process um, it, in terms of how the application goes and the onboarding. And that was already some of the things that were in place prior to COVID, um, but we've moved it forward. But um, we do do a lot of video interviews. Um, we just hired somebody that's moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. And so it was three, you know, Zoom calls prior to even coming to physically see the site. And I think we've all gotten a, a little bit of accustomed to that, you know, being comfortable on video and doing that. And so we want to be able to move quickly when we have top talent that we want, that we want to recruit. And so sometimes trying to coordinate everybody's schedules and, and we go through a pretty rigorous interview process, especially if it's a supervisor position or general manager, you know, you're going to meet four or five people in the organization. And, you know, I like what Frank said about dating, because I treat every interview with an employee where I'm interviewing is they're interviewing me as much as I'm interviewing them. They're going to want to know what life is going to be like. Are people happy here? Is there a consistency in the message? If you talk to me, if you talk to our HR team, if you talk to our sales managers, you know, are they, are you hearing a similar experience? So, um, and, and that's happening naturally with us because you know I think we have a great culture and, and we've all worked together for a very long time but you know make sure you treat every interview as you are being interviewed as well come prepared have thoughtful questions be, be prepared to share the experience and the success stories of how people have developed and grown in the in the organization yeah thanks for sharing that yeah any other final piece of advice on this topic from you Michelle um 
you know, I, I always have a short list of people that I, I meet and I connect with at different conferences and industry events. And so I have this folder of people who, you know, if the right opportunity came up being in, we're in different states and different locations that I keep in touch with and that I might go back to. And it, it has happened in cases I, we just hired somebody a week ago that uh, interviewed with us four years ago for a position. It wasn't exactly the right fit. And now she's going to be in that position because it came open again. So you just never know, um, you know, when things are going to circle back around or when you're going to have an opportunity. And so, you know, maintain those connections. If you don't hire somebody in the first round, you, you may be wanting to look at them again down the road. Yeah. Great advice. Thanks, Michelle. All right, Frank, bring us home. What's your yeah, final I'll, piece of advice? I'll, I'll stay with the same theme, Rachel. Never stop recruiting, right? Even after you, you hire them, just constantly recruiting and, and, uh, uh, working to develop that relationship both ways. And so I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a secret to success. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we're out of time. So um, thank you guys so much again for sharing all of your perspectives. Got a lot of great stuff and attendees. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, everyone have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Rachel. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thanks guys. <laughs>